Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Well, it's time to dive back into discipleship this week and further look at what is the biblical teaching of discipleship. That's what we've been covering over the last uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we dealt with the meaning of discipleship on our first episode of this series, and then we dealt with the method, which throughout the time of posting on social media and all those different places, I was putting quotations around that because I think the method tends to have a bad connotation these days. And we, we think ex- of methodology. But right. Yeah. And so we explained that last week when we were talking about it. But this week we want to jump into the motive. Um, today we want to look at what our motive should be to engage and do discipleship. Or maybe I should flip it on its head and do a question, what is our motive to engage and do right discipleship. So today is discipleship, the motive. We're going to look at three things that will guide us through our conversation. One is there is the simple motives. Uh, there is the spiritual motives. And for some reason you bo- broke the S pattern there, and there is the eternal motives. <laughs> so, uh, But anyway, I just always like to give you a hard time on that because you're right. usually pretty good – with, I um, tried to instruct you that uh, alliteration can come in different ways. The end sounds the true. same. It's true. So. It's true. But so. I still like to point that out when I see that. So, right. But anyway, so jumping into today's uh, topic in regards to discipleship and the motives, what are some of the sinful motives as as we engage in discipleship and do discipleship and we want to do it biblically? What could be sinful motives? Is sinful motives just simply us as disciplers? Or is it sinful motives in regards to those who are being discipled? What, what are we talking about? Yeah, it could be both, and we'll talk about a particular person in the book of Acts in a moment. But I, I, there's, it is common in church, especially in the 20th century, I think it's a 20th century phenomenon that, especially as we got past World War II, that there was a success motif, a success motive. Right. Uh, regarding churches and growing churches. We began to look at the church more as a business and the pastor as a CEO who um, who was able to lead the church to be successful. As opposed to the eldership model that we find in, in the scriptures right. in regards to the equal standing of all elders being able to come together and lead the body of Christ. That and the um, – instead of a church being the place where the people of God gathered to worship, to be instructed, to have the fellowship of the believers, it now became a place to fill up, to gather people to, based on certain passages like go out in highways and hedges, compel them to come in, that sort of thing. So, so almost like a social club, a, a country club. Yeah. Not that there is no socializing because we are fellowshipping together yeah. and enjoying right. one another. There's anybody who would come to our church after service, there is amount of people that stay and talk yeah. a lot, you know. So we engage. But but the pastor became one of those guys who got hired to if fulfill a, a job bring a certain effect right and or that result was to increase the dues paying members because if you don't have dues paying members then you can't pay the bills right. and you're certainly not earning your income now having said all that you mentioned 
success as disciplers or disciple makers and success as disciples. I think we see both of those in a fellow by the name of Simon the Sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. If you go back and look at that, it looks like on the surface Simon was converted. Right. Because it says he believed. But we know that there were disciples under Jesus who believed, in a manner of speaking, and then fell aside. We see that, and, and we'll see that next week. We're going to talk about this more in depth next week. But we see uh, instances in which people seem to follow Christ, seem to believe, seem to have genuine faith, and then it didn't, didn't pan out. In Simon's case, he was a magician, a sorcerer, and he – he he was able to uh, gather a following because he could do really in, impressive stuff. Right, and then he began to follow Peter around. And when he saw what Peter could do by the power of the Holy Spirit, the signs and wonders that Peter could perform, he wanted that. Uh, and so he asked for them. I want that. <laughs> Give me this power. Right. And, and who wouldn't want that power? Yeah. So Peter saw saw looked through the um, the facade, the facade, and the false front, and saw something. He said, "Your money perish with you," hmm. and which indicates uh, that. He wasn't real because you wouldn't tell a Christian you're going to perish. Well, something interesting that I see in that narrative um, in regards to engaging with a supposed disciple is you have the simple desires of this disciple that seems to be insincere. It appears to be insincere very clearly. Um, but you also have the disciples who see right through him. Right. And, and to me that's telling because I think those of us who are disciplers – Need to be just as I don't like just as good, but just as wise. We need to be discerning. Discerning is a good word uh, in, in regards to how we distinguish between true disciples and non-disciples. Because though we cannot know the heart of man and know if they're truly converted, we can see the fruit, which the Scripture says right. is very clear evidence of a disciple. Yeah, having said that, it is interesting that Judas was with the disciples for three years and they didn't notice. Well, and we know Jesus knew, but I think going to those disciples at that time, there was a sense, uh, maybe a lack of spiritual maturity. Right. Knowing some of the arguments and the things that went on that Jesus had to deal with. Yeah. Almost eye-rolling type things once you kind of <laughs> see it, you know. You're yeah, like, really it's guys? interesting that Judas' motives were, were financial. Right. And, and Simon's here are financial because he can make money through this. And Judas is revealed. He also was to serve a purpose, so that's a whole other story. But <laughs> It is. And, uh, but but the, the other thing – the other motive, there's a financial motive mentioned here. There's there's also seen in another place a numerical motive. It's almost done from a backwards sort of approach, but Jesus was talking with a number of disciples and others who were gathered to hear him speak and teach, and he called himself the bread of life. He said, you you know, you talk about the, the bread that came down from heaven. Moses said, I am the bread from heaven. I'm the bread of life. Some responded to that by saying, uh, well, uh, what's he going to do? Give us his flesh to eat? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and then Jesus says, if you do not eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Well, that's obviously a pretty strange, pretty strange uh, analogy. But it was an analogy. He didn't. He wasn't encouraging cannibalism. Right. And then some left. A bunch left. There's so many left. It was noticeable. And uh, they said, "This is a difficult saying." 
who can understand it. They didn't try to understand it. They didn't say, what do you mean by this? Help us to understand. They just left. And, and then Jesus says to the disciples, will you also go? And they say, well, where, where can we go? You have the words of life, and we, we know that you're the Christ. So uh, there's the difference in true and false disciples, sinful motives. Jesus' motives were not for numbers. Right. He wanted true disciples. Well, and I think it's, it's fascinating by today's standards, evangelical ministerial discipleship standards. Uh, he was kind of a failure because he didn't have the numbers. Yeah, he had mass crowds that followed him, and it was more out of – Interest and intrigue, and what is this guy, this dude? But he thinned his ranks. Yeah, he definitely thinned his ranks. And, you know, you even think of people like David Brainerd, who was a minister who died at, what, 27, 28 years old? 29, I think. Yeah, Yeah, and he had one convert that he knew of. (laughs) I mean, by by these worldly standards that we hold now, he was a failure. Yeah. And same with Jesus. So I think what you're trying to say is is that the sinful motives can not only be of the one who is being discipled, who just wants gain, who wants this excitement yeah. or whatever, he be a part of this problems club, fixed, right, yeah. or his problems fixed. But there's also those of us who are discipling, and what are our motives? Right. Why are we doing this? Is it? And we're going to talk about this more. Is it just to bring numbers? Is it just for financial gain? Right. Okay. So yeah, I hear I hear I hear people say the folks who are down on numbers usually don't have the numbers. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're down on it. That there may be some truth to that, but that's another pithy saying we'd like to say on here. Yeah, we. It, <laughs> what does the scriptures have we'll, to say about it? We're going to right. talk more about right motives here in a moment. Okay, so we're talking about simple motives. What about spiritual motives? Now we're getting into the positive side of this. We've looked at the negative, but we're looking at the positive side. There is the right motives. What are those spiritual motives? Yeah. If it's not about numbers, if it's not about, you know, finances necessarily, then what what is it about? Well, there you know, when Jesus was asked uh what's the greatest commandment, he said, Well, the great commandment is the Lord is one, the Lord your God is one, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. The second is like it, you shall love your neighbors yourself. To me, Jesus said what motivates us in right. our seeking to bring disciples. We are motivated by a supreme love for God, for Christ, and therefore our motive is to, to bring people to bow the knee to and have this love for Christ. I, I believe that a lot of times the reason we have such such shallow commitment in churches is that we haven't we haven't drawn people to by the help mm-hmm. of God's Spirit to love God with all their heart. We haven't uh, we have drawn people to join our church mm-hmm. to get involved in something. They're already involved in things, you know, <laughs> or to have a place for their kids to hear good stuff, or right. or to uh, to get their depression fixed or their marriage fixed, or you know, those are, those things need to be fixed. Although sometimes they don't get fixed for those right. who follow Christ, but so the, to me, these 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 two commands uh, give us our spiritual motivation: love for God, love for neighbor. Which we've already talked in the weeks previous with all the political unrest and the issues of racism. We dealt with the issue of loving your neighbor in regards, in particular, to that issue. But it it takes the same form of application. So if you're interested in looking on the issue of loving your neighbor, I encourage you to go back we and listen to those that. episodes. Yeah. Right. Um, but what we're talking about today is is part of the motivation of us is, first of all, love God, then love your neighbor. That's the exactly. simplest form. And what more can we do, how much more can we express a love for our neighbor right. than to bring 
them to the one who can take care of their sin, and right. that's their problem. That's their need. But is there any other relationship that matters? And what I mean by that is there is this horizontal relationship, and then there's this vertical relationship. Mm-hmm. When you look at it kind of from that perspective, you have the horizontal relationship, which is obviously our interaction with people, which we can't get around that. We've talked about that before. But then there's this vertical relationship between God and right. man. It- and our horizontal relationship is driven by our vertical relationship. If we love God, then we will love others. We will love our brothers. We will love the lost. We will have a vision for the lost. You got some examples in regards to spiritual motives. You talked about, you and I were talking about before we came on, this issue of the disciples and Jesus asking them, you know, who do people say that I am? Who do you say that I am? You know, I found that interesting yeah. and motivation yeah. there. Maybe talk a little bit about that. Well, we want people to come to that same sense of of um, treasuring Christ. Yeah, because the disciples said, you're the Christ. Yeah. And where else do we go for yeah. the words of life? You we, have them. And then he says, and we, and we, by the way, we, we right. believe you're the Christ. Right. <laughs> <laughs> This is the one. we're going to stick with you through thick and thin. That's what we want to bring people to. You know, John Piper talks a lot about treasuring God as chief treasure. Uh, we want people to treasure the treasure. We right. want them to treasure the only thing that is an absolutely valuable treasure, and that is Christ. If they're because you know, just in our experience as a family, the things that God has taken us through. If Christ were not at the center. And that, that we don't mean to indicate we perfectly follow right. him, but if Christ were not the one we were what we were holding on to, we would have quit. That would have been know. awful. Yeah. I often say this. I think I've said this maybe to you. I know I've said it to my wife. I don't know how people deal with issues, whether big or small, without Christ. And what I mean by that is, and I'm going to read a little something that will kind of sound counter to this, but just going through something that's difficult – Without the perspective of who Christ is and what He is to yeah. us, a it's, spiritual perspective, yeah, a biblical perspective. And and I wrote this down because this is part of what you and I discussed before we came on. I and, and we said this together. Basically, we are calling people to love Jesus above all. Right. We are not calling them to go to get all their problems fixed. Right. You don't get everything fixed when you follow Jesus until glory. We're calling people to to treasure Christ above all. And the truth is. They may come to Christ and have earth in an earthly sense have more problems. Mm-hmm. You know, people have come to Christ and been martyred, and we're living in a day when that seems more and more possible. If not right. martyred, certainly incarcerated and certainly persecuted. Yeah, and we're not stronger used to that persecution in the United than we've States. ever seen before. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it looks like yeah. we're on the verge of that. So. Yeah. You better love Jesus right. because because you might have more problems. Yeah, you better. Which be. is going to be interesting when all of these so-called health and wealth preachers, right? Like, what's going to happen? There's going to be a reality check there, but uh, that's but a discussion talk for about a different that day. Next time, yeah. <laughs> okay, so sinful motives, spiritual motives. Then we talked about this idea that things not getting fixed till glory. That leads us to eternal motives, and those are spiritual motives. But but we want to talk about but those we specifically. Kind of break it down. A little yeah, bit. yeah. Um, the um, and, and we need Paul was able to function as a as a, as an apostle, a believer who was off, was stoned, was beaten, was, um, and he was able to say, um, "Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is far is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal way to glory." But so that's that's the perspective. 
but what is what is it about making disciples that that is eternal in nature? And the one is, if you look at Hebrews chapter two, verse ten, it says, "For it was fitting for him that is Christ, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering." Well, there we are. We're, t- we're now tying together what we just talked about and the other point, and this whole idea of discipling. He is bringing many sons to glory, but uh, but an aspect of that was suffering, and and his completeness as a Messiah, as a Savior, came through suffering. He finished his work by suffering, but his goal was to bring many sons to glory. Now that's what we're about when we're bringing the gospel to someone. Our goal is to get someone to bow to need of Jesus and to become a part of the family of God, which is expressed in the Church of God on earth. We're we're wanting to be a part of bringing these many sons to glory. So I could ask it this way. If that's not your motivation, everything you've just said, if that's not your motivation, are you really faithfully, biblically fulfilling the command to make disciples? If that's not your primary motivation. Do we want to keep people from going to hell? Sure we do. Right. But do we want people to be able to look at their struggles and strifes, as the old songs say, um, from a, a biblical perspective and apply the Word of God to them and hopefully find answers. Yeah, we hope that, that. But that's not the primary thing. The primary thing, as you just asked, is to be a, a part of this effort, this successful work, and it will be successful, of bringing many sons to glory. You know, so, it, it, Yeah, if that's not primary, no. Right. You, you are not motivated by the right thing. So check your motives. We've got to check our motives. Yes. We have to do that. Which, which leads us to, there's a similar passage, similar refrain in the Romans 8, 28, and 29 passage, which most of us have memorized because we need it so much. Right. Uh, but we, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did pre- predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be, that is, Christ might be, the firstborn Firstborn means the supreme one among many brethren. So he's calling many sons to glory. He is calling many brothers and sisters into his family. The Reformers like to refer to Christ as our elder brother. Hmm. That's an interesting affectionate term. But that's what Christ is doing. He is calling sheep, yes, he is calling those who see themselves as slaves to Christ, but he's also thinking in terms of bringing uh, many sons to glory and that Christ might be the head of many brethren, and that includes women who are converted as well. So that's our goal. We're working with Christ to bring many sons to glory and to uh, make him see him as the firstborn over uh, of many brethren, among many brethren. Yeah, you said the halls of heaven are trodden by many sons. That's right. Uh, are filled with many sons and daughters and brothers in Christ. We, you know, that's going to be an interesting tension. We have Christ to whom we have said we are his servants, we are his bond slaves, and yet he thinks of us as sons of God and his brothers and sisters in Christ, so in him. So, yeah, that's that's what we're about. We want to see people fill the halls of heaven, and, and 
Well, that means our churches be full sometimes and sometimes not. You know, we sing that song. We long to yeah, see I your was churches thinking about full. That, actually, <laughs> and, and we do. But that's that's out of this motive, this eternal and spiritual motive. Well, we're we're pretty much out of time, but I think it's safe to say to kind of recap here is that if you're motivated to just help people with their depression and just help people out of their financial issues and just help people out of anything, you name it, then it's not true and biblical discipleship. But if your primary motivation is to make followers of Christ, lovers of Jesus, passionate lovers of Jesus and for His glory, then that is a biblical motivation. It is. Absolutely. And an eternal one. Well, we'll continue this discussion next week. We do thank you for joining us and uh, look forward to next week. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org where you can find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Mm -hmm.